On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC. Redesign your organisation. Reinvent your capabilities. Reimagine your future. On News Talk. I am joined in the studio by the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee. Uh, it has been quite a week when it comes to policing. You've got Gardaí threatening to go on strike, barristers actually going on strike and the biggest drug haul in the history of the state. Uh, but ministers, you would have heard in the news and the, the very sad news over the last sort of 48 hours in relation to a minor being charged in Tullamore uh, over last night at a late night sitting in Tullamore Court. Um, we obviously can't talk a huge amount about the case because it is now before the courts. But in relation to the sharing of the footage of this particular incident on social media and the sharing of it among students and among schools, I mean, that's that's quite a worrying thing to see creep in that we ha- we've seen in other countries. We haven't really seen it in Ireland before. No, and look, good morning, Sean. Um, as you've said, this is now, those, those charges have been brought, so it will be before the courts. Um, but I just want to say this is an unimaginable tragedy. Um, and I just... I, I want to offer my condolences to everyone involved here, to the family involved. Um, but what we've seen um, over the last few days and images being shared, I mean, this is a crime and I have to remind people to, to share these types of images. It is a crime. Uh, thankfully, social media companies took it down very quickly, which mm. is really important and I have to acknowledge that. Um, but to think that people would share this, you know, it's hard to understand, um, but it's just to remind people that this is a crime, this is a horrific crime that has happened to somebody uh, and to ask them to rethink if they come into the possession of this material, that they do not share it, that they do not send it on to anybody um, because this in itself firmer, further causes harm uh, and and trauma to those that are involved in this case. Absolutely. Uh, on your own brief, look, a very, very busy week, in particularly from the GRA. Why do you think it is that Drew Harris is so unloved within the force? Look, that's not a question that I can answer. And, and um, I mean, look, we've had a motion of no confidence. Um, we had a very uh, clear response to that. But in itself, the response uh, and the reason for that vote is is still not straightforward, I don't think. Mm. Um, so much of that vote was pinged on a roster uh, dispute that is happening at the moment. Um the one thing that I think we're all in agreement with, whether it's the Garda Commissioner, whether it's his senior management, whether it's members of the GRA or any of the other associations, you've inspectors, you've sergeants, you've chief superintendents, superintendents involved here. Everybody wants to negotiate a new roster. Everybody wants to find a way forward. Everybody wants a roster that's fit for the world that we live in, that provides the best service possible, but that also allows for that work-life balance that responds to the needs of the members themselves. And that's where we need to get to. And this is the impasse we're at. This is why discussions need to intensify. This is why we need all of the associations around the table. At the moment, you have three very clearly saying that they will engage in intensified discussions Uh, and what I'm asking very clearly is that the GRA would get around the table and be part of those discussions because the one thing that everybody is in agreement with is that we need a new roster, not the current COVID roster, not the previous roster, but that we need a new roster to be able to respond to the challenges of today. At at the same time, they all say they want to get around the table and talk about it, but none of them have so far. They're sort of sitting back, uh, all talking about preconditions and, and waiting for the other to make the first move. Uh, well, that's not the case. Um, you have the chief superintendents, you have the superintendents association, you have the AGSI, which represents sergeants and inspectors, who've said very clearly that they are ready and willing. The Garda Commissioner has a path set out. So there are a number of steps here. You have an internal mechanism within Ungarda Shiakana, and that's the stage we're at now. If that then doesn't 
work. You then have a conciliation council, uh, which is chaired by a, a member outside, an independent person. If that doesn't work, you have access to the WRC and the Labour Court. So we need everybody to get involved at the early stages here. Uh, and what I've asked and what I will continue to say to the GRA is if you get into the talks and intensify those discussions and negotiations, that's the only way that a new roster can be found because the current roster nor the previous roster, they're not the right rosters. Nobody mm. is saying that they're the right rosters that we should have forever more. But the only way to actually get past that is by sitting down, by not putting in place a red line or any type of precondition, but everybody going in in good faith and trying to find a way forward. Well, the GRA do say a precondition is already there in that November 6th date that the Commissioner has said. Have you urged him to, to drop that date as a, even a measure of goodwill to say, look, we can all get around the table, but you know this is the precondition the GRA uh, see and it should be off the table? Maybe just to put that into context, um, the change on the 6th of November that's uh, that's there and that's happening, that was put in place back in July. Uh, So that's not a precondition to these current talks. So back in July, a decision was taken by the Garda Commissioner in the absence of a new roster being agreed and it had been ongoing for for three years discussions in the absence of a new roster um, after the COVID roster had been extended 13 times. So this is 13 times the current roster has been extended. A decision was taken taken back in July to move back to what was an agreed roster. It's not the perfect roster, but it would provide a better service for people. So you imagine the current COVID roster was put in place at a time when the country was in lockdown, where you had no nighttime economy. So you have the same number of guards working on a Tuesday as you do a Saturday, where you couldn't have shifts crossing over because you couldn't have teams in the in, in stations at the same time for fear of, of COVID being spread. And that's only right. And you had essentially less hours of visible policing on the ground than you would have had previously. So that decision was taken back in July prior to any motion of confidence, prior to any talks starting in the last few weeks. And it is for the reasons that the Commissioner has outlined to to have that greater visibility, that presence. But it is only in the short term before a new roster is agreed. What people are asking me to do now is essentially to tell the Garda Commissioner who should be working where and when. And I have to say, we've moved away from that style of policing where politics interferes in the day-to-day running of Angarda And I think that's only right. But what I am doing, uh, you know, what I am saying, I've met with the GRA only in the last few weeks. I've met with the AGSI. I've been at the conferences of both the chief superintendents and the superintendents. I speak to the commissioner regularly. I meet and talk to my own officials regularly. And I'm saying very clearly, this has to be resolved through dialogue. The mechanisms, the supports are there and available to people to resolve this. And that is how it has to be resolved. This is, no matter what you say, this is the only way that it actually will be resolved. Mm. Well, just to go back to the Drew Harris question, the reason I ask it is because they could have framed this vote as as something else. It was very targeted as a motion of no confidence in the commissioner, not in the management or not in any other people who they might have been dealing with, but the commissioner itself. Do you think there is an element of this not actually being about rosters for some people and being about him being an outsider or being about the reform that he's trying to bring or, or any other gripe they might have? Look, I can't say why people decided to to take that particular vote or to use that particular language in the vote. I made it very clear and I said it directly to them when I met with them recently. I thought personalising an issue like this uh, was not the right way to go. Uh, you know, rosters is one issue. There's many other topics that, you know, they want addressed. Mm. And um, I'm working with all of the associations to try and resolve other matters, to move things forward, to continue the massive investment that there has been in Angarda Siakon in recent years, to implement new legislation, to support them and to make sure we have the best service possible. So there's always different issues on the table, you know, their own well-being, their own welfare, how we can invest in them personally. But to personalise 
all of that, whether it's about rosters or otherwise, I felt it was the wrong thing to do. It's happened. I think we move on from it. I think the Garda Commissioner has moved on from it. And I think the association has and can move on from it. Um, But we have to focus on what I suppose is at hand now. And it is the issue of rosters. And I'll go back to the very clear point that nobody involved in this actually thinks that the current or previous roster is the right roster. Mm. Everybody wants to find a way forward to negotiate a new one. And the only way you can do that is by intensifying, doubling down, getting in and trying to to, to find what that roster looks like. There's also reporting in the Sunday Independent today that the GRA at the last minute pulled a motion from their conference this week of a full-on motion calling for the minister or the commissioner to resign, uh, but they keep that in the chamber as somewhere they may escalate this. Again, I wasn't at the meeting, so I can't say what was or wasn't decided, but uh, it is very clear government appoints the Garda Commissioner. Um, I have confidence in the Commissioner. Government has confidence in the Commissioner. Um, there is a structure there a very clear structure that is in place to try and resolve these types of matters. And it takes into account two things. Firstly, the need for the commissioner to be able to run the organisation in the best way possible to support the members, but also to provide the policing service that people want. But the other side of that is we always have to make sure, um, you know, particularly when it comes to rosters, that we do take on board members' views. You know, we're talking about, and, and that's why the decision to change to the previous roster was made in July and isn't happening until November because you have to give three months notice. People have to be able to reorganise, whether it's childcare, whether it's their lives, whether Mm. it's certain activities that they're part of, whatever it is. You have to be conscious that we're asking people uh, to do their job in a very difficult scenario. So that is why the associations, all four of them, are always part of these discussions and there has to be agreement in moving forward because it impacts everybody here. I suppose it does beg the question, though, if this commissioner cannot get agreement on something as relatively small in the context of everything the Guardi have to deal with as rosters. How can you have confidence in him that he will drive the further reform that he was brought in to do post Morris McCabe? Well, firstly, I would say rosters is not a small issue and, and it has always been challenging in the past. Even the, the previous Westminster roster took a lot of time to negotiate and agree. You know, we're talking about um, various different parts of the organisation, how they work, how they operate, how they overlap, how that impacts on members' lives and having that work-life balance. It's never a straightforward um, process to agree or or a decision to, to make. So uh, I would say it's always been a challenge and, and that's no different now. But what we've seen over the last numbers of years is a huge amount of reform taking place in Angarda Siakana. Um there's been a huge amount of investment. Uh, there's been just under a billion invested in the guards in less uh, than 10 years. We've seen changes as to how they work, how they operate. Uh, there's a greater understanding of who's working where and at what time in the organisation. There's a greater um, digitalization of the organisation, which hadn't been there before. So there's a huge amount of reforms that came from a report uh, only a few years ago, commissioned by my predecessor, Francis Fitzgerald, that have already been implemented. And that in itself, I know, is challenging. Mm. Um, you know, I like a lot of people. I have a lot of friends in the guards. I speak to people regularly. I meet people when I'm in stations. And I know there's a lot of change has come in probably a relatively short space of time. And that in itself can be challenging. So it's about managing that. It's about making sure that when you are actually implementing change, that it's working, that you're reviewing it, that you're talking to people, that you're asking questions. Do we need to change it? Is it better this way? Is there other ways we can do it? And that's always happening. So that's led by the commissioner. He was hired to do this job and and I believe he is doing that. We're at a difficult situation at the moment. But what I would say is there are meetings happening next week. The commissioner is meeting with all of the four associations individually. People are engaging, people are talking. And I would ask for that to intensify because there is a way forward here. And it's very clear. 
where does that investment go then in your head for the budget in a week and a half? Obviously, the centrepieces really of the justice budget the last few years has been X number of Gardaí hired. But of course, that's not we're not seeing that come through because of resignations, because of uh, difficulties with recruitment. So what are you looking for in budget 2024 as a centrepiece that is going to address the various concerns that have been brought up this year? Well, look, I, I won't be telling you, I'm afraid, uh, ah, exactly on, what the yeah, Sunday morning give discussions us a bit of a are. Um, but what I can say is I'm obviously engaged with the Minister and, and the Department of Public Expenditure. Uh, I'm looking at a number of different proposals, asks, not just for the Gardaí, but mm. obviously I'm responsible for the courts, for the prison service uh, and many others. Um, and I'll be building on the investment that has taken place. So in the last three years alone, the Garda budget has increased by 20%. That's meant investment in... Uh, new equipment, huge changes to ICT, the type of devices the Gardaí use to free up their time and make it sure, make it easier for them uh, to do their work when they're out on the road, investment in uniforms, investment in cars, investment uh, in many, many other uh, areas, including welfare and their own well-being where we need to do more. So I'll be building on that and obviously building on the, the number of recruits that we have. So while you say, you know, we haven't seen the progress, we are now actually starting to see the progress. So we will have uh, just in the few weeks ahead uh, over 150 new members coming out or 100, sorry, 135, 154 is the next round coming out of the college with close to 200 going into the college at the end of the year. So we're now actually getting to a stage where the numbers are steadying and we're going to start to see that increase of Garda numbers, which is exactly where we want to be and I want us to be. One of the biggest problems and when I talk to people is that we just don't have enough guards. The mm. work they do is amazing. We don't have enough of them. We all want more of them. And that in itself helps alleviate some of the challenges that we're talking about now at the moment. Where do barristers fit into your budget plans? We're going to be speaking to them later on in the show and obviously they're taking strike action on Tuesday saying that they are one of the very, very few groups left in society who haven't had recession era cuts unwound. Well, they are very much part of the conversation that I'm having at the moment. Um, they're very much part of the wider piece of reform. So similar to the Guard, it's not just the, the Gardaí where we're looking at a huge amount of reform. The court service in itself has been dealing with and progressing and the barristers have played a huge part in actually the modernisation of the court service. That's again investment in ICT. It's different type of practices. It's expanding the court. So by the end of the year, we'll have 24 additional judges appointed and their supports provided to, to or supports provided to them to be able to do their work. So there's a lot of changes happening within the courts of which the barristers have been part of. Uh, and so there are discussions, which again, I won't get into what, what uh, conversations I'm having with the, the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform uh, but they very much form part of that uh, acknowledging the work that they do and the huge contribution that they play in what is again a changing landscape and a, and a dynamic and modernising court service. Will they see those cuts to fees reversed? Again, I'm not going to get into to, to talks that I'm having at the moment, but uh, I just want to reassure people um, that I and that all of government, uh, including the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, uh, support the work that they do and support this overall modernisation and expansion of the courts uh, and the barristers play a huge part of that. A part of the action the GRA have announced obviously is, is withdrawing overtime on the Tuesdays in October but also then if that if there isn't a resolution by uh, November 10th to, to do a blue flu, to do an effective strike. What are the contingency plans in place from your point of view if that does go ahead? We still have a number of steps here. Uh, as I mentioned to you, there are talks taking place next week. So the but commissioner presumably you is have to meeting. plan for the worst case at the same time. You can't have a, a Friday night where however many, five, six, seven thousand guards as they did in 1998 just go missing, call in sick. Uh, so we're, we're talking about initially every Tuesday of the next month where Gardaí have said that 
certain members and those part of the association would not commit to voluntary overtime. Um, what I've been reassured by the Garda Commissioner and his team is that we will have appropriate numbers, that we will have the relevant numbers available to work on those days. There's a long time between now and the 6th or the 10th of November. Uh, what I would ask people to do, and I've said this time and time again, is the only way to resolve this is by intensifying negotiations and discussions. The talks will happen next week. I won't be in at those because it is uh, meetings between the Garda Commissioner and the associations. Um, but it's important that people go into this with an open mind, with the determination to find a new roster, because that is the only outcome here that everybody agrees is needed. So you won't tell me a contingency plan, but is there a contingency plan? Presumably there has to be. Look, I'm obviously doing my job here. I'm engaging with the commissioner. I'm engaging with my department. Um, I'm engaging with the associations. Um, but the way that this is resolved is not by me intervening and telling one or the other to do what needs to be done. It's about making it clear and putting the supports and the resources in place to go through what is a well-used process uh, where there are arms of the state that are available, but we're still at the early stages. We're still at an internal process uh, of negotiation within Ungarda Síochána. We haven't moved past that to the Conciliation Council, as I've said, which is the next step. We're still at the very early stages, so we need to make sure that every effort is made uh, to try and find a solution at those stages. And if not, there are other mechanisms available to people here. Uh, we also saw this week, big week in the justice uh, justice area, um, the biggest drugs Paul, in the history of the state, certainly in terms of volume, uh, at least. And I've heard you and other ministers rightfully praise those who were involved in it, and they, they did amazing work. But there are so many things that could have gone wrong with that operation because of a lack of resourcing. Only being able to field uh, two vessels, for example, for, for the naval service when it was eight only a few years ago. The fact that the Air Corps had to take a helicopter back from the National Ambulance Service to use and didn't have two helicopters in the air, as would be standard in these operations, as I understand. Even the fact that the CASA airplane that was doing the overfly had its machinery go down during the operation and had to take those videos and pictures on a camera phone. So the resourcing, while this is a great, obviously something that should be lauded, the resourcing has just has not been there from successive Fine Gael ministers, it must be said as well, in the defence portfolio up to Micheál Martin now. Well, firstly, we can focus on what might not have happened or we can focus on what actually happened and that was the largest seizure that this country has ever seen and that only happened because of the collaboration from Angarda Síochána, the Defence Forces, the Naval Services, Customs, Revenue, other operations across the sea, some of whom I met when I was in Brussels this week uh, from Europe. You have your intelligence um, at an international level as well. So, you know, we need to focus on the positives here and what did happen. But they all did a great job, but there are so many little things that could have gone wrong because of resourcing that would have meant we would have missed this or there could be another shipment, another boat that we do miss as a result. Well, what you will know, and I think most people will know, is the same way that I'm invested in investing in Angarda Síochána and supporting uh, the organisation. There is a clear body of work that has been done, uh, setting out a very clear path for our defence forces, making recommendations, how we can invest in them, how we can make sure that they uh, continue to do the work that they do and that they're resourced in the best way possible. That's a plan that's been led by the Tánis de Michal Martin that was worked on by previous Fine Gael ministers. Uh, and it's about making sure that we follow through and that we invest uh, in the best way possible. So there's very clear plans. And, and it was acknowledging that that there was work that needed to be done in the Defence Forces, that there were changes 
changes that had to happen, that there was investment that was required, that that report was actually commissioned. Uh, as I said, Minister Coveney and many others have been involved in that and that's now coming to fruition. But again, I have to, I cannot commend people enough because uh, there were so many people involved in this uh, operation uh, in Angarda Siakana, Assistant Commissioner Kelly and many others. Um, and it is because of that collaboration and the resources that we do have that we were able to actually follow through and see this body of work happen and, and to see the impact that it will ha- now have on these organisations, these criminal gangs uh, who think that they can do whatever they want without any type um, of, well, th- that they can do whatever they want. Um, what we've sent very clearly to them is a very strong message that that's not the case uh, and that we have the technology, we have the intelligence, we have the resources to be able to take them down. At the same time, Cahill Berry, who would know a thing or two about this having been the head of the Army Ranger Wing, described Ireland as the soft underbelly of Europe when it comes to this. And also they know that if our naval vessel, if our one or two naval vessels, if they're off the south coast, we can't do anything on the north coast. We can't do anything on the west coast. Like there are big vulnerabilities there. My response to that is Ireland is no soft touch. Uh, the investment that we have placed in Angarda Siakana alone in our intelligence operations, in our capabilities and the decisions taken specifically by government actually to place members of Angarda Siakana and others across the globe to make sure that we build up those levels of intelligence. Only this week I met with the, um, uh, the minister from Colombia, where we now have a member stationed in Bogota, where we have that connection and those links where these organised crime gangs are situated, where we have members out in Dubai, in the Arab Emirates, where the commissioner himself only travelled to recently to strengthen those ties. What we're showing is that even for a small country, we're investing in our technology, we're investing in our relationships, most importantly, and we're using those links and those connections to see results like we've seen this week. And I've absolutely no doubt that we'll see further results like this uh, in the years ahead. Another story coming out this morning, we're reporting on, on News Talk. 13 files have been sent to the DPP by Gardaí investigating the allegations into sex abuse at Blackrock College. Um, obviously a very difficult situation for all the students and the, their families that were involved. I suppose, can you give them some reassurance that the state is going to pursue this to the full extent of the law? Look, as you've said, there's files that have, have gone to the DPP and we need to allow that to take its course and, and for decisions to be taken there. Um, I've been very clear, uh, as have the Gardaí led by the Commissioner and this government, that any form of sexual abuse, child abuse, uh, sexual violence won't be tolerated and those who are victims will be supported in every way possible. You became, you made a history of becoming the first minister to take maternity leave. Obviously, you had to do that through a slightly awkward mechanism because there isn't any maternity leave there where you were made minister without portfolio. And at the time, there were lots of promises that, well, that's going to be rectified. There's going to be a new system, not only for ministers, but also for TDs. I've heard nothing about that since. Where, where is that? Uh, well, that's been worked on at the moment. Um, it's not straightforward and... and um while our constitution is wonderful, it also provides challenges as well. Uh, the reason that uh, there was no mechanism there is that we are at our capacity when it comes to senior ministers around the cabinet table um, and whether or not somebody is added or there's a, a requirement for maternity leave, uh, it's probably not something that was discussed 100 or so years mm. ago when, when our constitution was being put in place. But uh, there are proposals that have been made and agreed at Cabinet for our councillors. There's work underway led by Minister O'Gorman working with the Ken Corlia and a body that has been set up within the Oireachtas to progress that so that it can be availed of by TDs uh, and senators. And then that's including, I suppose, work that's been done looking at ministers uh, and how that might apply. So, you know, it's not ideal. It's not where we want to be just yet. I'm 
certainly not the last minister, I'm sure, that, that will be at Cabinet uh, having a family. And so we need to make sure that we deal with it as, as quickly as possible. Might that require a referendum? Might it require constitutional change to get rid of that barrier? It, it possibly might. And that's where the challenges lie. Uh, we have a very clear line in our constitution stating how many cabinet ministers we can have. And if you have that many already in place, uh, then adding another for maternity leave or for any other means, you know, this applies where people are sick. And I've had even in my own time in the Dáil colleagues who've had to take time out because they've been sick and there are no mechanisms there. So this is uh, something that will obviously support uh, women who want to have children, but also, um, you know, people who might have to be away from their work for a period of time. So it's important that we resolve that matter. It has been worked on. Uh, and obviously, I want to see a, a conclusion as quickly as possible. OK, Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, thank you for coming into studio Thanks, this morning. Sir. And you've been very good with your time. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Redesign your organisation, reinvent your capabilities, reimagine your future. On News Talk.